0: up everyone thank y'all for joining me with buzzing with marlo i am Warren marlo ladies and gentlemen it is that day it is the time it is friday woo friday my moments that's going to be coming up for this weekend is miami versus clemson and yeah that's going to be the big talk for me this weekend of course i want to hope I hope my Jaguars do something Sunday, but Miami versus Clemson is my biggest thing and even bigger, I'm about to get prepared, I'll be on a plane literally in a, on Saturday <laughs> for 12 hours and hoping and praying, whatever I'm flying on, whatever is on the plane the game is on around that time because, yeah I will be a very upset person if I am not able to watch the game of the Hurricanes. This is a make it or break it year for us. I mean, this is our chance, this is the time, I think it is here. But let's get on to the subject on that's going on and buzzing with Marlo today. I hope everyone's been having a wonderful week. I know it's been a struggle and if it has, guess what, you're almost there on this Saturday the beer whatever you do on your weekend is calling your name so today we will be joined with a movie producer's own he is from R &R productions his name is clinton robinson clinton robinson has directed a couple of films clinton robinson has also got a lot of future projects in the works also man big shout out to him he is now selected to actually be a part of the new Batman movie that will be in the makes. I think it's like a dark version of a Batman or something. But I mean, that's a great shout out to him on that. But we're going to talk about just the struggles that this man has encountered countering some things. We're going to talk about the, the projects that he has coming up. And most important, we're going to talk about what is the future for him and his movie gigs that he has got and also talking about the awesome podcast that he talks about i mean it was really awesome and i'm sure everyone's going to enjoy it today i hope everyone find some good knowledge out of this and just realize like the major struggles that so many people have to go through that you don't realize to make these amazing films Or even make some of these films are just like, eh, Netflix Netflix material, something like that. But, I mean, it it takes a lot of work, and we're going to talk to Clinton about that today. So when we come back, we will be joined with Clinton Robinson. Hello. I'm joined with Clinton Robinson. How are you doing? I'm doing good.
1: How are you? I'm doing all right, man. So uh, tell me a little bit about
0: yourself.
1: All right. Well, I am a film director, producer, script writer, actor based out of Bloomington, Illinois. I just started my own film production company, R&R Productions. And I also run my own podcast, r r CineTalks, where I interview film producers and directors and people like that. Okay.
0: I I actually listened to one of your episodes on your podcast and I was very impressed with you. I, I really, really do want to know how all that process can go down. Like how I can pretty sure how stressful most
1: of that stuff can be as well. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, like the film side of it. Yeah. It can be pretty, pretty stressful. <laughs> yeah. Um, any specific questions? Anything like that, or
0: all right? So, just tell me what what got you to want to start pursuing this, and like, what all it entailed for you to get to where you're at now.
1: Well, uh, it all started when I was like five or six, and I watched The Empire Strikes Back for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I guess pretty much every Star Wars fan will say that's like their favorite Star Wars movie. I don't know why there's just something universal about that film that it's got like everything in it. It's got like a Western feel, you know, you got your obvious science fiction, fantasy, you got romance, drama, horror, you got like everything in one film. Um, mm-hmm. And just like the, what got me was the work that they did, like the figure work with the a 80s, because after doing research that that was all action figures that they used. It was like claymation and stop motion. Uh So like the 45 seconds of film that they're in, it, it took them like five or six days to make that. And I just remember seeing like the behind the scenes stuff, like the giant models of like the death star and star destroyer, the choreography, like I dove like so deep into that that I was like, you know what? I want to, I want to do that. I want to make films. So about junior year in high school, I started writing a script for a short I ended up making called night school. Um, It was basically, you know, a horror slasher that takes place at night school. Um, It was all just me and uh, other people in my high school that made it. Uh, My I actually had a film production class in high school. So we had all the equipment and everything. And Brian Bouton, he was my teacher, um, mentor. Um, I still talk to him to this day to get some advice and feedback. Like he does all my proofing for my drafts before I even take them to an editor. He looks at them first, Mm -hmm. just to make sure that they're put together. Um, He taught me how to do casting, how to do storyboarding, shot listing, pretty much everything. So between junior and senior year, I did an entire film by myself and 10 other people. Um, Sadly, it was only ever on physical copies. It was never digital. And Mm -hmm. most of them ended up getting caught in a fire. So I think there might be one surviving copy out there somewhere, and I'd love to get my hands on it just so I can download it and release it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, sadly, my first work can't really be proven that it ever existed. (laughs) Oh,
0: man.
1: But I decided I was going to try to get into a film school, Full Sail University down in Florida. I got accepted, Mm -hmm. but at that time they weren't accredited. So I had to make the decision if I was going to go to school and get a degree that wasn't accredited, which would just mean I basically have a very expensive piece of paper that nobody cares about or try and pursue my dreams another way. So I decided against going to that school um, and I was like, I can do it on my own. And I had basically five years where I wasn't in the industry um, just because I couldn't figure out how to get started on my own. Mm -hmm. Uh, And just recently, about nine or ten months ago, I was like, screw it. I'm going to start off and um, decided. Yeah, so I wrote a script. Um, It's called The Scratching. It's about. It's gonna be about a fourteen-minute short film, which you know, that's uh-huh. about a fourteen-page script. I paid to basically rent out a conference room at a hotel, had open auditions. It was cost me about four hundred dollars out of pocket. Um, uh-huh. Which you know, I make sixteen dollars an hour, so that's, that's a lot of money for me. <laughs> oh
0: yeah, most doubt.
1: But cast it, um, got an amazing cast. Some people, I'm like, how are you not a big-time celebrity? Like, you're talented. Um, Went and got an LLC, started my own production company. And then I was like, now what? Like, I don't have a camera. I don't have any audio equipment. Like, the original idea was I was going to film it on my iPhone XS Max, which, you know, that's an amazing camera. But oh, yeah. I just started reaching out. Um, I made my own podcast. Basically, I run the podcast to try and help fund the film production yeah, company. Yeah, I promote it. I promote it. Yeah. yeah, basically. And, you know, I'm not really getting any money from it. I think I've made like $7. But I'm really getting a lot of connections and promotion is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And, And that's how I ended up meeting all these amazing people I've interviewed. Um, Jason Pitts, I interviewed him. His interview comes out tomorrow, actually. Um, He's going to be my cinematographer, you know, and that's like a big part of film production is getting that camera guy. Like, he's got all the equipment. Um, Another person I met, Nick Daniels, he's going to be my audio mixer on set. and He's actually going to do an original compositional piece for the film. Um I met a lot of people that are just gonna be my crew, you know, grip, lighting. Um, I met my wardrobe person, Courtney Rainier. She's doing all my wardrobe stuff. She actually has connections to get my a character in my film, Sheriff Collins. We're gonna get an actual police uniform for him. Uh um, oh, wow. I met somebody that's gonna do my gore effect, like there's a lot that goes behind film and like, if you want, I can walk you through every step of it. It's just, it's insane. But like now I'm also the co-producer for another project real to you written by uh, my buddy Mikey out of Chicago. Um, So I'm helping fund that. I've helped get the entire crew. I actually got the location scouted and everything for that. Um. I'm co-writing another project with uh, Christopher Gatrist. He's out of Kentucky. Um, it's going to be a feature length project. We're shooting for it to be about two and a half hours, which God, it takes about 20 hours to film a 12 minute short. I don't know how long this is going to take, man, but it's a big, <laughs> it's a big undertaking. Um, that one's going to be like a sexual abuse awareness video, basically we're just going to tell people like cuz what's disgusting about the yeah. world scenario. yeah it's going to be like a dramatized thing but it's going to be based off of like real cases we've experienced or seen experienced and stuff um and it's going to basically go from the actual assault of the victim all the way through the court case all the way to the after part because like i want The people that get found guilty for sexual assault, the minimum sentencing is only three years, which is ridiculous, you know, because that's a lifelong thing those victims have to go through. So we're, we're going to make an uncomfortable film for an uncomfortable subject. Um, And that's kind
0: of trying to make a point out of it and kind of like, hopefully. It's
1: yeah. Yeah. Trying to, trying to make a point out of it and try to like get just like awareness, try to like change it. Like I doubt it will. It's my hope that it will, but I'm kind of a pessimist and a realist. So an indie film's not going to change much, but at least I get to say I got a message across um, that that's still getting written though. So mm-hmm. it's in the early stages. Um, Another project that I'm really excited about, I got brought on to be the director for um, a script somebody else wrote, which is new for me. Usually I only work on projects I've written. Um, Mm -hmm. It's going to be a pilot episode for a series that hopefully gets picked up called Engaged. It's like a drama. It's kind of like if the show Six Feet Under and You're the Worst kind of had like a love child. That would be how I describe it. A dark, um, romanticized drama, basically. And I'm really excited about it. The story's amazing. Um, my friend... Like a new challenge? What was that? It's kind of like a new challenge for you. Yeah, most of my... Yeah, most of my stuff... I've written it so I understand the characters deeply and helping bring somebody else's vision to life is gonna be really amazing for me. Mm-hmm. Um and most of my stuff is horror-based and like all these other projects are going to be like, you know, real-world scenario type of stuff. So it's gonna really force me to like direct characters, which is something I'm not used to. Like usually usually I have a supernatural element to this and this is all grounded in reality. So it's going to be interesting for me, but he's, he's really trusted me with this project. Like I'm doing all the casting, I'm doing like all the setting up of everything. And hopefully we can end up doing a good enough project that it gets funded to be an entire series, which I would like. Um, Uh We're gonna hopefully get the pilot episode filmed by this time next year, um, just because it's gonna take so long. Just because we're doing it out of pocket, um, and the
0: coronavirus and everything, I can only imagine.
1: Like, yeah,
0: just how all, this process for y'all too.
1: Yeah, it's made being on set really difficult. Um, a lot more creativity and like where people can stand. Like film sets are a very stressful place. Um, Very, Mm -hmm. very crowded place too. (laughs) So everybody having to wear a mask except for the people on camera, that's kind of a difficult situation. Um, Uh Especially for myself, like I'm the director. So I'm there for about 18, 19 hours straight with that mask on and like, Sometimes I have to take it off just to be able to show actors how I want them to emote. Um, Which Mm -hmm. I pride myself on being a director that can direct actors. Well, most director, a lot of directors don't know how to properly direct actors and I do some acting on the side. So I've learned, you know, some acting and I, Mm -hmm. I would say anybody listening to this that wants to be a director at least take a couple acting classes, try to be an extra on a couple sets just to see what it's like on that other side of the camera. Um, mm-hmm. Because the job of a director, you have to know how everything works. And a lot of them like neglect knowing how the acting part works. And if you don't know how that one gear in the machine works, there's going to be a problem when that gear's not turning right. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. So I want to know, uh, I want to take it back a little bit. You said watching The Empire Strikes Back intrigued you and made you want to become a producer and make you want to be a director and stuff. So what transpired for you to actually want to do horror with that? Has it always been like a sci-fi type feeling with it? Is that the kind of horror film you're trying to go with? Or
1: so, just like uh, so, ruling. So funny story. Um I got into horror because horror is the cheapest and easiest thing to write as an indie director and cheapest and Mm -hmm. easiest thing to, um, and it was kind of a business decision, honestly, um, at the end of the day, Um, because the films I want to make are epic, high fantasy, Lord of the Rings, Game of the throne, Game of Thrones things Mm -hmm. and epic high sci-fi things like Star Wars, Star Trek, um, Battlestar Galactica, but there's no way I have the, the funds to do that. So I have to be creative with what I want to get across. Um, Mm. Like in my movie, the scratching, you never actually see the monster to the point where you're not sure if a monster even exists. Um, That type of thing where my films have become horror just because it's a lot of unknowns. So it's a lot of HP Lovecraft, fear of the unknown. A lot of suspense. Yeah.
0: Basically. Yeah.
1: Okay. Fear of the unknown. And, I'm also an aspiring novelist, and like it turns out, I'm really good at writing horror. Um, Mostly because once I hit high school, you know, everybody goes through like some weird phase. I went through a weird phase where I was really into H.P. Lovecraft, Stephen King. Um, I watched every Friday the 13th, every Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, every Halloween. So like during those years, my formative years, I was really getting into a lot of dark things. So I write a lot of mm-hmm. dark stuff. Um So horror comes really naturally. And even when I write fantasy and sci-fi, it's very dark and gritty. Right. Um, and that's probably why Empire the Strikes Back is my favorite Star Wars, because out of the original three movies, it's the darkest of them um uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of abandonment of hope a lot of uncertainty a lot of dark revelations a lot of luke battling with his own personal demons and hatred and dealing with that loss of obi you know the death that he experienced on the battle of hoth um and then the finding out that the guy that murdered his mentor is also his father Like, a lot of dark stuff, like Han getting frozen in carbonite, like, things like that. So, it definitely goes along with my enjoyment of the dark, um, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I guess it would be weird to hear somebody say what inspired them is a science fiction fantasy movie, and then they're like, yeah, I write horror. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean... mean,
0: I've heard numerous times that four movies are the cheapest way to go and obviously the easiest way to start some ways um budget-wise i know a friend of mine he he started doing some movies as well but he's heavily on sci-fi and um so he's always wanted to kind of like like how you said make another lord of the rings type game of thrones type scenario but he said the budgeting for that is just outrageous at times.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I have a project I'm working on right now. It's kind of my passion project, so I'm taking it very slow. Um, mm-hmm. Script's still being written. Um, it's going to be a pilot episode for a high fantasy series. Um, and I'm looking at the budget, and for this first episode, I'll probably need 50000 so oh, yeah yeah <laughs> um and that's just and the uh, point thing is
0: i hear that's actually kind of cheap for movies on things too so that yeah that's that's even crazy on some things
1: that's lo- yeah that's like people are getting paid 50 dollars a day instead of this standard <clears throat> 200 a day type of project but yeah it's something i really want to do um it's just getting into that because people have such high expectations for that genre nowadays because of Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, Avengers, like that type of stuff that like the price to film that has come exuberant. I mean, I have a mm-hmm. guy who's kind of become a mentor of mine, Demetrius Witherspoon. Um, he directed this submerged series and he's got, you know, graphic novels, Funko dolls, comic books, um, novels, an animated series, all of that. And he's kind of helping me figure out how to do all this on a low budget. But even then, like he's got all these extra lines of revenue that he's built up, you know, all those other things besides the films that he does just to fund the films. Um, mm-hmm. So he's given me a lot of lessons on how to expand my, my personal production empire um to make that revenue and that's really helping me a lot of what i'm going to do to fund this is i'm going to start doing you know photo shoots filming weddings and events like that just to build up more more money so that i can throw it at my films yeah you know what i mean
0: so Side gigs as possible,
1: yeah, and like I'd be able to do a lot more too if I didn't have to have a full time job, but you know, such is capitalism. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah,
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I know I can understand that struggle, man. I remember when I mean, I was I still work at a warehouse, I work at a warehouse Tuesdays and Fridays, and then when I was wrestling, I was wrestling every weekend, and I would be traveling every freaking week weekend, like and maybe a month like literally on a weekend would be like once a month and and it's just a lot has changed and then obviously when my six year mark hits you think fake wrestling at that time but it does a lot to your body (laughs) and plus just working a warehouse gig you were constantly plus me at the gym it was just like I never really could give myself a break at times so it was just like I had literally just burnt myself and I mean, and some realities, and a lot of people just don't realize when they sit there and say, hey, man, I wish I could have done this. I'm like, do you really wish you could? Because you do not realize what it all entails. Like, like when I was doing professional wrestling, I sat there and thinking, like, all right, I can make it to WWE. But could I really live that schedule? Like, how they can wrestle every day and not be home maybe a second, like a month, or something like that. It's. And I was just, like, seriously sitting there thinking, like, how my body was with me just being how I was. And it's just like, yeah, maybe it wasn't that meant for me. Maybe I just wasn't – I I got to say I did it maybe that way. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I get you. Um, And it's funny you said you were a former wrestler. I just got done interviewing um Bishop Stevens. He was in, you know, WCW WWF. And he said the same thing, like, people don't realize once you hit a certain age, you basically, you almost time out, you know, because it's rough on your body. It's not fake, you know, it's, Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's basically fighting, you're still doing all the same movements and everything and it's rough on your body. You know, it's, it's a tough, it's a, it's Mm -hmm. a tough gig, you know, plus you're acting while doing it. So that's, that's tough. but yeah it's it's an interesting industry you know what i mean um filming um i i love it it's stressful at times there's times i'm like oh god i hate this but that's just when it's like you know i do it to myself i'm running five or six projects right now if i was like most people doing one project at a time it wouldn't be nearly as rough but
0: are like how you just said five or six projects. Are they like all at the same time, basically? Yeah. Like, at least yeah.
1: Um, basically, I'm running all of them at the same time. They're all in different stages. Um, so the mm-hmm. real to you, we start our first shoot this upcoming Saturday. Um, so mm-hmm. we're gonna probably knock out half of it in one day. Um, Just because they're the easier scenes, once we get in the more complicated scenes, it'll take a little while longer. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I have my project, um, I call mine because it's 100% me, there's not like a co-producer or co-director. The Scratching films October 10th, and I'm going to do the entire film in one day because I'm a psychopath. Um, (laughs) 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 Um, Most.
0: Sounds like uh, the actors and actresses ain't going to enjoy that day. Uh, they're all, they're all <laughs> excited
1: for it. Um, the, people, the people that okay. are going to have a rough time are myself and my cinematographer. Um, right. Everybody else is going to have a great time. But then I have the pilot episode, which is going to be the first weekend of November. And what we're doing with that is we're mm-hmm. filming uh, three different trailers for it. We're going to throw the trailers out on crowdfunding sites um, just to get funding to film the actual pilot episode because it's wow. going to be a big project. There's 27 characters in it in just the first episode, um, which is a lot. My other projects have five or six characters, so it's, it's, oh, wow. a, it's an ambitious project. Um, I'm hoping to get about 12,000 to film the first episode um just because i want mm-hmm. i want to get really good locations i want to make sure that like we have the best equipment the best everything um and then my other projects i'm working on i'm directing a manga um you know like a japanese comic book uh, uh-huh. which i hope to get turned into an anime um i'm also working on that um, sexual abuse awareness project. I'm working on a high fantasy project. I'm also working on a superhero project. Um, it's, I'm co-writing that with my friend Darrell Miller out of Indianapolis. He's got a series he's doing called Paragenics. It's a YouTube web series. Um, he's on season two now. Season one airs October 7th. Um, uh-huh. And it's like real world superheroes. It's kind of like um, if you remember the superhero show on Sci-Fi Heroes. Um, uh-huh. It's, it's kind of like that. And he let me create my own character and my own story. Uh, it's going to be a short film. Uh, I'm going to do about four short films based off this single character. So I hope to start filming that next next year around March um okay let me see if there's any other projects i'm working on that i can't think
0: of. i don't want to cut you off but I, I do love superhero movies and stuff i love anything on um so what kind of character did you come up with? um
1: the character i made um he's he's a telepath um, there's other powers okay. he's going to develop over time that I'm not going to get into. Cause they're kind of like spur of the moment, like, you know, plot development yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and his powers just developed one day and he can't control them. So he's fell into alcoholism and drug abuse to kind of drain out the voices in his head. Um, and he huh. ended up getting prescribed medication for schizophrenia um because to his therapist it sounds like he's schizophrenic um and it's just his journey it's more of a journey about his addiction problems and self-hatred than it is about his story about the powers the powers are kind of like um kind of like the spark for the journey you know what i mean um and I plan on him going oh, through wow. the standard journey story arc of him developing into being a better person. I'm never going to make him a good person, um, but okay. a better person. Kind of like a Deadpool. Um, he's going to be kind of an kind antihero. Like a Deadpool. Kind of yeah, kind of like an antihero. Okay. Um, more along the lines of like if you've read the Ghost Rider comics, more along the lines of that. Um,
0: okay. but. Kind of gives me that Hancock-type vibe a little yeah. bit. Too.
1: Um, and, like, the story, he was, like, a very well-off person. His family had a real estate business, and he was going to inherit the business from his father. Um, he had a working marriage. You know, his entire life went to, went to hell in a handbasket because of the sudden emergence of his powers. And oh. the... The story of Paragenix is interesting because it's not just superheroes and supervillains like there's this like demonic parasite um that inhabits people and it like seeks out people that have powers, you know, because they're stronger. So it's it's interesting uh-huh. because he's combating his own issues, he's combating villains, he's also combating like a demonic parasite that he doesn't really understand. And he kind of just gets thrown into this world while dealing with his own issues. Um, I'm dealing, Darrell's doing a lot more like those high end powers, like super strength, flame control and stuff. And I've always been more intrigued by mm-hmm. the lower end powers. So I also created like an empath, which is just somebody that can sense other people's feelings and emotions. Um, I've created okay. somebody that's clairvoyant, you know, so they see the future. Um, and, uh, the supervillain I've created, that's probably not going to pop up until the second or third episode is, um, somebody that can make multiples of himself. So it's, and all the characters I do, I'm more interested in writing emotions and emotional journeys than I am in, Mm -hmm. or monsters or soup, like, uh, magic and stuff. Oh, yeah. Tells a story, really good story. Yeah. So all of these characters have these things, and I wouldn't even say the supervillain is a villain, because um, I've always liked writing in those gray areas between good and evil. Mm-hmm. And I've always. You don't. And I and honestly, I feel
0: like that's what the fan base really loved. You know, obviously, back then, obviously when we were kids, it was always pick that guy. Obviously, Batman versus Joker, but now, and I mean, just judging from how I came from that lifestyle, professional wrestling like that was kind of like how wrestling used to be good guy versus bad guy. Now, more fans go for the bad guy than to a good guy nowadays. So, I mean, it's just a little bit of a mutual type scenario. I love the fact I, I actually think it's a little bit different when you actually do have a billing that's not necessarily a bad guy or a good guy. It's just, it's their own person. And they just don't care what anyone else says. I think those are pretty cool to actually watch. Absolutely.
1: I I think the best thing you can do is create that sympathetic villain where you sit back and you're like, you know, he's got a point. (laughs) Like, Uh uh, I'm a big anime fan. And I think one of the best villains they ever created in Naruto was pain. Because at the end of the day, Payne had the same backstory as Naruto. So you can see where he was coming from. It's just he handled his situation differently. Or, mm-hmm. you know, everybody, Thanos. Everybody knows Thanos. Thanos had a point. Was, what was he doing was wrong, but he had a point behind what he You know what I mean? Maybe don't kill off mm-hmm. 50% of everybody, but you could see what his motivations were. And I mean, I took a giant example there, like obviously what he did was evil, but there's villains out Uh there and I can't think of them off the top of my head where you can see where they're coming from. And to a certain extent, you can agree with them. And what I'm trying to do with all like the bad characters I'm putting in every one of my works is that really they're just the villain because I'm telling you they're the villain, if I wrote it in the other way from their point of view, they would be the hero.
0: Mm-hmm. so it's kind it, of like give the audience their sorry. their opinion on it
1: kind of give their their option
0: and be like if they're going to choose to be on that person's side or if they believe that they're really
1: exactly. That. and what I'm doing really is just it's my view on how the news works and how the world works because we're mm-hmm. told the country we're at war with is bad because that's what our government's telling us you know what I mean so I'm kind of using it to that level where I'm saying they're only evil because I wrote them as the villain. If I wrote them as the hero, you would agree with their things. Like, if it was the complete same story but from their point of view, you'd agree with them. You know what I mean? And oh, yeah. I, I think example, what was that? I
0: really, so, do, I really do like how you use that example because that is no further than the truth on because it's just like how the media says the media wants to make you believe something. You're going to believe it because you watched them all the time, you feed into it. So I love how you sat there and said, It's because I wrote it out. If I wrote it the other way, you'd be like, Oh, he has a point to be a bad guy if he wanted. I wouldn't be mad about it. But you wrote it as him being the good guy. They're going to believe, Okay, he's a good guy type scenario. Okay, he's the bad guy because you wrote it for them. But now it's like, I feel like stuff like that it makes them want to watch it more, just to understand them more, just to understand like why they make those choices of what they're doing, and I mean that's one thing I feel like a lot of people do nowadays is um, just ha- open minded like have an open mind and literally wonder why what's going on, wonder why what we're getting fed to us is going on in the world what what movies feed on why that reason is why they brought Thanos in there, why they brought Thanos in there to basically kill everybody off the first movie I met on infinity war. And obviously we come back and I was shocked when they, they cut his head off literally in the opening of the movie. And I just looked at my, my mom and my family. I was like, where's the rest of this two, the almost three hours we're about to watch. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I'm very curious. Now. Like like that's like what i would like to see movies like that because it makes you wonder like okay now i'm definitely getting into this product now i'm definitely going to watch this more because now we got to figure out like when you watch using that example like a marvel film when you saw when they first cut thanos head off and you see that all the characters go through this huge deep depression and it's like y'all killed thanos like what's happening? Like, I expected when they first came back was like, okay, I knew they were going back in time, but I didn't think they were going to kill Thanos back in within 30 days that all of this went down. Like, it was just, it blew my mind. Like, how are they going to make the rest of this movie? Like, we're literally maybe 12 in the movie already, and Thanos is already dead. Like, I was just like, wow. Like, I'm very excited to see what's going to happen now. And I just loved how it started so dark because usually the most common superhero movies are always happy, giggly, like everything's perfect, then obviously you see the little basic crimes happen and then obviously the big bad guy comes in so I like how you said that, like how you have to basically question if that's a good a good choice or a bad choice. And I loved how you use the terminology on just basically the government and everything, because that is really what's going on in
1: life. Exactly. In all it- and it all just depends on which news channel you throw on. And, you know, we don't have to go political, but um, I don't know. <laughs> but it all goes on which channel you choose on because I could put on CNN and get told one story, but I put on Fox and it's the same story, but they're telling me a different angle. And like what I want to do with my films, and I know they're all fiction, but I want you to, I want you to like, look at my stuff and decide for yourself what's actually going on. I don't Uh want to feed to you what's actually happening. Like my biggest project I'm going to be working on that I'm the most excited about is an anime I want to make. And I already have it planned out to be a thousand episodes. And my whole point of it, (laughs) I know I'm a very ambitious person. I don't know how to do anything in moderation, but um, my plan with it is at some point there's going to be a change. And Uh At some point, a major character is going to go from hero to villain, and you're not going to notice until the very end, until the last episode, you're not going to notice that this guy's actually an evil person until the very end. Uh, and it's just because of how I'm going to write it, because it's going from a certain person's perspective, and you won't see it because this person doesn't see that person as a villain. You know what I mean? Right.
0: But, oh, yeah.
1: So, it, my stuff that i do i want to have the question of morality i want to have the question of reality as well and Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day you need to constantly question yourself about what your morals are and what your personal reality is you know what i mean
0: oh and a lot of like how you put that out there i do want to know this so like how you said you're very passionate about anime so, what challenges have you experienced? Have you like done any project like with anime yet, or is this gonna be your very first one? And what well, have you experienced that that's a lot well, different from doing the projects that you've been doing?
1: Well, I'm I'm working. I'm in pre production on three different anime as well. Um, nothing's been okay. developed yet.
0: I'm a big DBZ fan. That was really the only ones I really got into it was Dragon Ball Z and uh, obviously the the redhead stepchild Pokemon. Those were, like, the only two I really, ever really, really watched. I did watch a little bit of Naruto. Those were actually pretty cool. I remember when I first started watching I know, hopefully, people don't beat me up for saying this, but I thought it was kind of like a Yu-Gi-Oh! and Ash if they really made a baby <laughs> show. I, 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 see a little bit, I,
1: I could see a little bit with, like, the animation style. Um, I'd say, because I watch a lot of darker stuff, I watch, like, Death Note, Tokyo Ghoul, Parasite. All three of those I would recommend. Okay. They're really cool. Um, Death Note is like the king of anime. The most perfect anime ever made. Like I, I'm pretty sure every anime uh-huh. person would agree with that. But the the difference with this than film is A, I'm not dealing with actual actors and sets. What I'm dealing with is artists, storyboarders. Um, and because anime run for so many have to have somebody that's just like literally your story bible person. They make sure the continuity is right. You know what I mean? Um yeah. And the the hardest part is with acting, you can tell if somebody's going to be perfect for a character by looking at them. With anime, mm-hmm. it's all about the voice. So I I could have somebody walk in and I'd be like, "Oh god, they're not going to be able to do this" like super attractive, badass, and this person looks like a scrawny nerd. And then just the voice he uses, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I like it's, that. Oh yeah, it's, it's a completely different industry because with film, you're judging by your sight. And with anime, you have to judge with mm. your mind. Um, and I feel like doing these two different industries together, I'm gonna be really uh, either I'm gonna be completely messed up in both of them and it's gonna ruin my career or <laughs> is gonna help me build because they're both completely different forms of storytelling, even if you
0: you're taking a risk type scenario.
1: <laughs> yeah, and y- you're never successful if you don't take a risk. If you play it safe, you'll never oh, be yeah. a success.
0: Um, that's why I, I like how you use that. So um you said you you've got an idea that you really want to make a thousand episodes with this. So so how long are usually your episodes?
1: Standard be? anime are about 20 minutes. Okay. Yeah, yeah that that's your standard anime. I mean, sometimes like if you get into the ones that are made directly for a streaming service like Netflix, there's one Seven Deadly mm-hmm. Sins, their episodes range from 20 to 39 minutes just because they're not airing on television. But right. anime also 20 minutes that can be 15 to 20 pages of a manga. So since I'm going to okay. have a manga created first just to create that audience, that pre-established audience for the anime to get made. Um, uh-huh. It's going to be a lot easier for us to be like, all right, we have this 150 page manga. So this could be like the first half of a season. You know what I mean? Right. Um oh yeah we're still in storyboarding for for the one that's going to be a thousand episodes i'm co-producing and co-writing another one that hasn't even started writing yet um we're in like the pre-pre-production on that one we have the idea we're just figuring out where the story's going to go and how it's going to be told um mm-hmm. that one th- this other one that's not my like not my sole creation this story's wild. <laughs> um, it's gonna definitely go along hmm. with my whole wanting you to question reality thing until the very end. Okay. Um, it's basically like a simulation within it, a simulation almost. Um, so it's gonna be confusing and convoluted, and a lot of people are gonna hate it, and a lot of people are gonna love it.
0: Oh, okay. So. Basically, they're gonna to have to really examine this type of scenario to understand what's gonna happen
1: in that. Yeah, right? yeah, and I do that with a lot of my work. Obvious, I'm sure you can tell from what I what I'm talking about. Like, I don't want you make, anything- you make the
0: audience guess what's going. On. And I, and I like that because it's very hard for movies nowadays, and I've said this numerous times. I just feel like Hollywood in general they have lost the touch of finding creative new things. Like we've all seen remakes after remakes after remakes. And I like how you're saying this stuff too, because obviously you're taking a risk to try something different. And like with the, the uh, what was it? The abuse, the sexual abuse thing, you're trying to improve. You're trying to cause an awareness out of it to be like, Hey, this is what people get if they do this. This is why people come at that. Get released so early after doing this stuff, but this is what scars the victims. Like it, it really harms them nowadays. Some of these kids or whatever, they basically probably had to raise babies from having stuff like this happen. Stuff like
1: exactly. That. So
0: I, I I love how you kind of like trying to make a stand on that, uh, and I like that type of thing because that's a very real feeling. That's a real feeling that people can relate to. No, obviously not everybody. Uh, I would hope not everybody would probably. <laughs> you'd be feel something like that. Like, I,
1: you'd I, be surprised. Uh um, if you get about a hundred females in a room, eighty to eighty-five of them would probably have some sort of story to one extreme or another. I mean, there's obvious exactly. there's there's male victims as well, but that that ratio is not nearly as much. Um. Yeah. But that's that's something I agree with, though, is that Hollywood is lacking originality. And it's something that I'm just like, if you're upset about remakes, reboots, sequels, prequels, go and check out some indie films. Like, look at the indie category on Netflix, even. Um, Some movies you'd be surprised are indie films, like Blair Witch, Paranormal Activity, Clerks, like those were all indie films. Um, there's,
0: I got, I got to ask you about Paranormal Activity. I, I'm very hard to actually when I watch a scary movie. It's very hard for me to get When I first watched Paranormal Activity, because like everybody kept buzzing about this movie nonstop. When it first started, I was like, "So when's this commercial gonna end?" Like, it literally looked like a big commercial for a while. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, this is the actual movie. And then I was like, this is the most boring thing I've ever seen. But then you kept seeing more and more. And then when it came to that night.
1: She got pulled out of bed. She
0: just rose up. I literally was just like, I remember when I watched the part and I looked so deep into the TV screen. When Mika went downstairs, whatever, and then all of a sudden, when he gets slung into the camera, I fall back. Like, I've never had a reaction to something like that. I fell back, fell on the floor, everything. I ran out of my room. Like, it was bad. Like, I think I was, like, maybe 13 or 14. But, yeah, man, that that freaking scared the crap out of me. And I tell people to this day, I was like, that's probably one of the most scariest movies I ever saw because it looks so real because the way they filmed it, obviously – they were actors and everything, but... So real.
1: Yeah, it... That... I, mean, I, was just,
0: I even went and researched, and I was like, is this girl Katie really possessed? Like, I did not understand any of this stuff. I never believed in the possession and all that. Then I started really believing it, because I was like, they wouldn't have made a movie on this if this was real. And then I was just like, oh, okay. Now part two and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, now. But man, they had... <laughs>
1: Yeah, that found footage it can that found footage type of film can be very trippy um that exactly. movie i think the budget was only sixty five thousand. um yeah yeah that and the blair witch if you haven't seen the original blair witch that was like what had this whole found footage thing become a big deal people thought it was actually like found footage mm-hmm. um but yeah it that was something that inspired me. I actually have something I want to do that's a found footage project. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about it because you
0: don't very want
1: to spoil it. I'm well, sure. well, very, very early stages. the The project's going to be com- could be completely different. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the the indie the industry is where most of the creativity is nowadays, mostly because of a lot of like union stuff and guild stuff with Hollywood that like the screenwriters guild they went on strike for a long time because they weren't getting paid right so that's why you have so many remakes and reboots because it's a lot easier to remake something than it is to create something original um but you do have some good hollywood people like christopher nolan he's makes some really mind-bending stuff like tenet was an amazing movie (laughs) um but yeah just check out the indie industry like go to a film festival, sit down and like buy an all day pass and just sit down in the theater and watch all these different things that get made. Like, yeah, there's going to be some, just like, there's going to be some bad movies, but there's some amazing ones yeah. too. Like movies you wouldn't mm-hmm. get to watch or just go onto the indie section of Netflix or Amazon prime, you know?
0: It's kind of like a, it's kind of, well, I don't know how they're doing. I kind of like, the, like, as, obviously, like, I used to have very particular music albums, but I would only like maybe three songs off that album. So it was just like, uh, okay, this whole CD was okay. I just paid $15 for this whole CD, and I'm literally only like three songs. Like, right? uh, I don't know if that was worth <laughs> it. <laughs> it's like, it's. It, but I mean, that's kind of like I like how to use on that, but I like how you said something about a uh, film festival. How many of those have you been to? Because I had a friend. He went to one of the film festivals in, I think, London or something like that. And um, he got to meet a lot of actors, a lot of actresses. He got to network really well and um, obviously helped him get prepared and get him fired up for his upcoming projects that he had going on. So I'm just I've, curious. So how many I've film festivals a, have you been to?
1: Uh, none of my projects has been in one yet, and that's just because all my projects are in pre-production right now but I've been to a few and watched some stuff, met some people, you know, it's, it's really fun. Even if you just go to walk around and talk to people, because like, being in the film industry is kind of weird because we're kind of like a secret subsect Mm -hmm. of humanity where you don't know Mm -hmm. walking down the street if somebody's in the film industry or not. And then you just get to this area and like everybody in there is interested in it. And like, I immediately make friends with every film person I meet (laughs) like, because we, we get each other, we get the struggle, we get like the creativity, we get all of that. Like we understand immediately, like it's 70% of this person. So it's, it's fun. I'm excited to get projects into the festival. Um, I feel like a couple of these projects are likely to win some stuff. Um, because I won't work on a project if I don't think it's going to be good. I don't care if it's going to win. I don't, I just don't want to work on something if I don't think it'll be good. Um, uh-huh. and when I think something's going to be good, I'll work on it and I'll put all of my being into that project. Um, okay. so I'm, I'm hoping these get to festivals. I'm hoping them into like mostly in the Midwest, just cause that's where I live. Um, <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> unless I get accepted into Sundance and I get accepted into Sundance, I'll, I'll go. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, it's a very important part of the indie film industry is those festivals. Cause you know, Netflix, they have people at every single film festival. And if they just happen to be sitting in that theater while your thing's on and they're like, Hey, I'm going to pick that up. Guess what? You just got, Netflix, you just got hired by Netflix yeah. to turn this twelve minute thing into a movie or a series. <laughs> like,
0: wow! So that's really how that works. So basically, it should just be on. Like, if they just finally look up at the screen, they could be. Like, oh, I'm not on it. like that's pretty cool. How to do that? It, I mean, I've seen some movies on Netflix that really should not be on anywhere. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. That's, that's how it is. You know, sometimes things get funded and I'm like, who, why, how, and then some things don't get funded. It makes you question, like,
0: why is your movie getting
1: the popularity
0: that you think it deserves when you're watching this movie that literally looks like it could probably, it, it probably wouldn't even sell at a dollar store at the time. I and mean, it's just like, <laughs> like, why they spend all this time for this? I, like uh, you I just happen to get somebody
1: that's interested in whatever that was. But, you know, there's, you know, different strokes, different folks, you know. Um, that's, mm-hmm. that's how it is. And also a lot of it, like, yeah, the easiest way would be the festival circuit and just hope it gets picked up. But a lot of films just die on the festival circuit. You know what I mean? And, yeah, yeah generally speaking, a life of a film is about eight months on the festival circuit. Um and mm-hmm. then people go and take it to a distributor and get it sold. And sometimes it just gets thrown mm-hmm. on the backlog of Amazon Pro buried deep, deep, deep within the catalog. Um another good route well, would be
0: Does it still go big if it was like on like how you say Amazon
1: Prime?
0: It, it, get some very good point,
1: it, at that point, um you're looking at their viewer algorithm, which it gets recommended to you based on people that have viewed it. So if you get buried on there and say everybody on your Facebook friends list goes and watches it, the average person has 300 friends. So you just got 300 views. Um, big movies get about five or six million views. So odds of yours popping up in people's algorithm, even if you had 3,000 friends on Facebook, not too likely. Um, and that's just, that's just the sad part of how the business works. Um, now, if you happen to know somebody um, that can get your script viewed at Netflix or something, that'd be great. Um, but they don't take unsolicited work. So you're going to have to go and get a production agent, which they cost money. And then your production agent is going to go and get it submitted to get viewed at Netflix. And if it gets picked up, your production agent is going to get 10% of whatever you get.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and that's, if you get a decent contract, <laughs> uh, yeah. so, it's, um,
0: so how, um, how does that work? So, say, like for settings and stuff like that, do y'all just basically as much as y'all can to fit the budget? Or do y'all, or like, how do you say, you really have to love the product that you're doing? So, are you like, you as picky on the scene or the settings of where you're going to film the movie compared to if it was just, yeah, it's in the budget. So, we just got to make it work. Like,
1: it, you got to find that healthy balance. Um, like, if I'm going to rent out an Airbnb for production, um, I'll sit there and like what I just did for what we're filming this weekend. I sat there and viewed about two thousand different Airbnbs in Chicago, and narrowed it down to three mm-hmm. because of just the specifics of what we needed. And then right. out of those three, I took them to the guy who wrote the script, and I was like, "All right, which one fits your vision?" And it just so happens the one we got, even though it's the most expensive of the three, um. <laughs> fit his vision like 90% and the rest of that can just Mm -hmm. be fixed with, you know, posters and props. So what, what I do like with projects is I'll look at the script and if it's not a good story, I won't do anything, you Mm -hmm. know, I'll, I'll be done now if it's a good story, but there's some tweaks that can be done to make it a very good script, you know, I'll send the guy Mm a message, the the person a message and be like, hey, I like what you're doing here, but I have a couple tips. Do you mind if we like talk about doing some editing? And if there's somebody that won't take any criticism, I'm done. Because the best thing in the world for you as a creative is criticism. If you're not able to listen to somebody being like, hey, we could do some work here. Then you're not really cut out for the industry. Yeah, that
0: that's one thing I I like to praise that when you say critiquing because, dude, I learned that such a rough way in professional wrestling because obviously I'm not 250 pounds. I'm not built like the Rock or anyone, but I could damn near move and damn near go as long as most of those guys that you saw on WWE. I was always I was always known the guy that could go and always had a good look. And they would man, let me tell you, even as good as you were and I tell people all the time, if they're not critiquing, they are not doing the good job. And that's one thing. You're never it should never be like, Oh, this is amazing. This is done. This should always still be that one critique to obviously keep pushing you going further. Because obviously if you don't get the critiques, then you're all you think, Okay, you've already done it. You don't need to fix anything, you don't need to change anything. You're dead set on it, and that's, that's going to be the way how you do all your stuff. So I love how you say on the critiquing part. Was that a tough task at first for you, or you were just like, yeah, I'm going to just have my ears open and just hear it out and see what what was their reason why they believed it, and what, what do I need to do to change it?
1: I've always thought that whatever I make is garbage. So whenever somebody gives me advice, I'll listen to it. And I'll see if it works.
0: So you're your biggest.
1: Yeah, I'm my biggest critic. So if it if something ends up going into production, it has to be pretty dang good, um, at least where I'm compared. Mm-hmm. Because it's garbage in my eyes, even if it's a, a finished project, I'll nitpick everything. And my wife will look at me and be like, "Damn it, stop! <laughs> it's good."
0: <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Um,
0: oh yeah. Same thing with mom. Especially these podcasts, man, because I just don't like listening to my voice. But people tell me all the time, man, like, like people that I was in high school with, they were like, man, you sound so different now. Like you sound like you like one of these news anchors or something. I was like, I never thought that. Never could see that. Never thought. And, and then I'm like, then I had to really analyze it for myself. I'm like, could I have really ever saw myself doing a podcast? And every single answer that came in my head was hell no. So, obviously, something is going on well for me because it's like people still like to listen. and It's crazy to believe to this day that now I do have a podcast and all this stuff. So, and I've always been my biggest critic. I used to hate when I, like my wrestling matches or whatever, when people would come over and want to watch my matches. I would actually not be in the room most of the times because I did not like watching them. perform. Because I could be like, oh, I missed that. I had done that. But when I watched the people watch it and they were like, man, that was amazing. That was great. But obviously, you knew the true scenario. Yeah. And obviously, that's what I think that's where the critiquing gets really hard for, say, like you knowing that you've directed those movies, knowing that you've done this stuff because, you know, oh, man, this this is what we should have got out of it. But obviously, somebody kind of messed up on it. And But you're like, you know what? We just kept it. But you still in your mind is like, man, I wish we'd have done that scene done that better or whatever. And then, but the audience just doesn't catch that. They don't. They don't see it. They just see the film and see what you put out. Yeah, there.
1: they they see so, the final product, and that's how it's always supposed to have been. To exactly. So that's that's one good thing. Like, and I tell people this all the time because people, you're not christopher nolan you're not steven spielberg you're not you know george lucas you can't Mm -hmm. just write whatever and know that you'll get the funding for whatever like when you're writing something you need to write within your budget and i always say write like your budget's half of what it actually is because things happen (laughs) the real the real world does not care about your plans (laughs) It doesn't.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that. (laughs) I I agree with you totally on that. Like how you say, man, you got to go on your budget. Like I tell people all the time, man, if you really want to start a podcast, I really don't recommend you just going to spend a big lump sum of money.
1: Yeah, don't don't go buying, you know, that really nice Rhodes mic with that really nice filter and get that desk with Mm -hmm. that boom stand. Like I'm running my podcast off of a decent headset that connects Bluetooth to my phone. (laughs)
0: There's my
1: <laughs> <laughs> like that—that's how I run my podcast. And you know what? The audio is pretty decent. So, sometimes exactly. there's a little bit of crackle, exactly. but you know what? I only have a hundred listeners an episode, so like that—that that little bit of crackle is what I can afford.
0: <laughs> um, I, I do want to know this because, like, how you did you said you started a podcast basically to help fund for movies and future projects, whatever. You still have that same mindset with the podcast, or you actually have actually enjoyed it and have learned a lot of things from
1: it. The the podcast started off, you know, just to like get word out there with my production company. So it started off as me and just some of my friends talking about movies. And Mm -hmm. after three or four episodes, I realized, you know, I could actually be doing something with the podcast other than just like hoping people want to listen to some nerds talking about some nerd stuff. Um, <laughs> so I decided I completely reformatted it into me interviewing people in the indie film industry. Um, and it's become more of a, a love project of mine. Um, the podcast has become it's, it's it is what I want it to be which is me helping grow the indie film community, you know, like not only has it benefited me, it's benefited other people. Like there's a girl that I interviewed, um, her episode hasn't come out yet. It won't come out for like a while, but just having me tag her and include her in the podcast, she's been reached out she's gotten some roles in f- films and she'd only had at that point one role. So it's, it's helped connect the community in a way I didn't expect it to. Um, And even if like, it only helps people get one or two more gigs in this industry, every job you get, every credit you get is beneficial to you. And I've, I've, yeah, everything counts, even if it's an extra role, you know, or like a featured role, you know what I mean? Um, And it's Uh genuinely turned into me. Yeah, it's generally turned into me helping people. So it went from having an ulterior motive to, like, this is a separate project now. It's not connected to my films. Like, it has the same branding as my production company, but that's just for branding.
0: Uh
1: Um, Like, now I'm doing this thing where it's called the Indie Filmmaker Roundtable. And it's me and four other people in the industry sitting down and talking about a certain aspect of film to share our experiences and to help new people in the industry. Like I'm doing the four part series on script writing. And then after that, I'm either going to do directing or acting. You know what I mean? And it's,
0: so you definitely got a lot of options. You definitely have got a lot of options and you wear a lot of hats. So I hate to do this, man. It's almost time to close it out. So, uh, Anything you want to finish off with? I know you want to plug in your podcast and stuff like that. But I really enjoyed this conversation with you. I really did not want to look at this thing saying, all right, it's time to almost wrap it up. (laughs) Because I really did like this conversation because I learned so much because people just don't realize how much stuff that goes into it. What it all tells. Like, the drawing, the photography, everything has to be up to the par. But you also got to realize you're on a budget. I did it with one of my good friends that I used to, work, uh, used to be uh, go to school with in high school. And he's doing the same thing. And he, But he kind of, like, started in the acting scenario and now is obviously trying to be a film producer and stuff. But um, it was just really cool to see how everything transpired. And I just love how what you said is kind of like the same thing that he had to go through. But you're also expanding your stuff with anime and stuff like this. He's kind of like just only in one particular subject that he always wants to stay in. Like, that's just the one thing he wants out of it. And knowing that we came from a small town area in Yulee, Florida, that's what he's basically trying to do is like where he can get his, like, get our area known for like his filming area. Like, that's his area. Like, he he uses the terminology all the time. He wants to be the Tyler Perry of Yulee, Florida. So... That's, I just love that type of motivation because obviously you know how hard that man's worked. You know how hard this guy has put in so much for him to have these plays, the movies, everything that he's done for him to be as what he is now. Obviously, that's somebody that you would hope that you can at least be close to, be kind of compared with. Obviously, you never, I obviously will never be no more than one pilot. Absolutely. Is there a film director that you, that you basically work hard for and basically want to basically kind of live up to that type of comparison?
1: It would – my biggest inspiration is a toss-up between Joss Whedon and Quentin Tarantino. Um,
0: oh, yeah. I see that, especially with the horror and the, the type of scenario that you've been referring to. Quentin Tarantino,
1: probably be that one. I actually kind of thought of Rob Zombie. It. <laughs> nah, I'm not. I'm not into that brutal. He's his stuff's too brutal. Um, like yeah. I. Well,
0: it's Was there too? He, now. he does go there,
1: <laughs> but not near as much as Rob Zombie. Like he does some good work. Like I really enjoyed his remake of Halloween, but you know mm-hmm. the House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects kind of kind of a little too far for me um <laughs> i enjoyed his music in oh, yeah. white zombie though but um oh yeah but, yeah i mean one a couple of last things you know obviously i'm gonna do my own selfish plugs at the end of this but like <laughs> i i have the same goals i want to make i want to be like able to make central illinois a hub you know like nobody cares about central illinois the only part of mm-hmm. illinois people care about is chicago and that kind of like kills mm-hmm. the rest of the Midwest, you know, people only think about Detroit, Indianapolis, Chicago, right. St. Louis. And there's like, you know, hundreds of thousands of square miles of land that's just like, ah, who cares? And I've met so many people from this area that could benefit from having a, I don't want to say major production company, but a decent production company here. Um, you know, even if mm-hmm. I only ever get to be the guy that makes stuff solely for sci-fi channel, You know what I mean? Like, that's still, A, I'm making something for a channel people will watch. Uh, Maybe I could bring the sci-fi channel back to life like it used to be when it had Stargate and Battlestar and all that. Um, (laughs) Instead of Sharknado. But (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, like, I just... I don't even care if it ever becomes like, you know, I get rich or famous or anything. Like if I can get to the point where I can just like quit my daytime job and go to making films, I'll be happy.
0: I love that mindset, man. I I love how you ended that off like that. It's like, you don't care to be rich and famous, but the goal is to definitely get rid of the nine to five. Yeah. If
1: I, I I don't care if I go into the positives equity-wise with this, if I can just break even project to project, I'd be happy. And that, that's my goal. I want to be able to pay my cast and crew, and I want to be able to, at the end of the day, make enough to invest in the next project. If I can just go from project to project while paying rent and paying my people, I'll be fine. And, you know, you can follow me on... I, I won't accept friend requests on Facebook. Don't look me up. If I don't know you and we don't have at least two mutual friends, you will stay in the ignored section for eternity. Um.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, I like how
0: you acknowledge that one because a lot of people would just be like, yeah, add me on Facebook, but then not even yeah. add me, So I like how you being I'll be real. Part. Um,
1: just because, you know, there's pictures of me and my wife and stuff and I don't want some rando to see it. If you want to follow me on Facebook, though, you can find us at r and Productions. That's R and sign R Productions. Uh, there's a Facebook page. You mm-hmm. can follow us out there. Um, let me see. Instagram will be R, the letter N, R Productions 93. Um, you can follow us there. Mm-hmm. Follow my podcast because I do updates about my productions and everything like that on the podcast as well is... And you can also listen to some great stories, some great success stories. Some people that like started off really, really bad. Some people that just accidentally ended up being in films. <laughs> um, how do you do that? I don't know, but it was an accident and it happened. Um, <laughs> you can find us on Apple podcast, anchor, Spotify, literally everywhere. There's a podcast. I just got accepted onto iHeartRadio a couple days ago. I'm waiting for that acceptance letter from Pandora. But, you know, that can take forever. Pandora, I've heard of people waiting six months. I hear
0: but, I've heard yeah, that.
1: But, it, yeah, it happens a lot. But it is R and sign R Cinetalks, spelled C-I-N-E-T-A-L-K-S. And I'll send you my link tree so you can put it in the description as well. All right. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I'd be happy to come on again in a little while. Once I have some stuff, people can watch.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. Uh, And I'll even turn the favor on that. And I definitely will look at some of those podcasts, with you know, especially with the round table with the indie guys. That, That sounds pretty interesting.
1: Yep. I release interviews Tuesdays and Thursdays and round tables are released every other Monday. So, 8 a.m. Right, CST. I you doing this. hope you have a good day. Yeah, you too, man. Take care. It was good talking to you.
0: Thank you. All right. All right. I know people go to gyms day in and day out, trying to find a way to get in shape. They are also told by personal trainers to lose weight as they be on the treadmill. You do that for so much, and they don't get the results. If you are the person that I am describing. Go check out Vector Fit. I mean, check out Thomas Hatton. He is a trained personal trainer. He is a nutritionist. He writes down your workout plans. He gets you the result that you are needing. And even better, guys, I know we have that hard word that's the word dieting. And let me tell you, he brings a whole different level to that word. It is not just you not eat cake, you don't eat anything. No, he brings out what you really need for your body. He puts a training program specifically for your body. So check out Vector Fit at Facebook, at Vector Fit. You can also check him out on Instagram, at VectorFit.com. Um, And also, if you need to, if you're not really fond of social media, you can also call him at 904-548-8479. That is 904-548-8479. That is Vector Fit in Yulee, Florida area. Thomas Hatton, y'all. So, if y'all want to change your body, hit him up. Alright, time to get the Go Home cue. First and foremost, I would like to thank Clinton Robinson for joining us today Talking about his awesome products he's got going on Talking about some Just also about that anime series He's got coming up I mean, I'm not a real big anime fan But man, that is really Some major talent um, Just really cool to find out about all that Find out what process It takes to go into filming What process it takes to make a product And what <laughs> what it all entails like that is crazy like he's going to spend one whole day making a project that he has directed he has wrote he has done everything for this movie so a big big utmost and hope and pray and everything for the best for clinton robinson and also i know we said it in the opening but we also want to give him a major shout out and congratulations on being a part of the new batman product they got coming out coming up soon the new project for batman clinton robinson got selected to be a part of it so major hand clap for that uh so let's let's finish it off like we always do i hope everyone washes their hands stay stay, stay clean do what you gotta do do what you got and i will be back when we have more buzz down the road later Being the new member of the Rasp Rebellion, I want everyone to go to the website RepSportsREPPSports.com and get 15% off on your first purchase if you do the promo code AP2420 and you have to type in the capital letters of AP2420. And like I said, you get 15% off. I know with this hard times in quarantine. Honestly, the supplements are going to be the best way to go. They've got BCAs, they have the energy drinks, they have pre-workouts, uh, whey proteins and stuff. I would love everyone to go to repsports.com to get and use the promo code AP2420, which is capital letters AP2420, to get 15% off on your first purchase. Thank you all.